Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, partner in crime. And are you an assistant editor now? I don't yes, even remember. I am. Um, Annie Bondal. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um... I don't know. I don't know how I am any day these days, but I got Starbucks this morning, which in pandemic times has become like a like a treat kind of thing, like because I don't go anywhere. And and there's actually not one like I have to actually like get in the car and go to the Starbucks near me because there's not one that's super close to our, our house. But, um, you know, it's actually become kind of like a nice little spruce up my day kind of thing. But uh, other than that, I kind of got nothing. No, oh, okay. Um, my cats are eating boxes. It, it's it's a fun time here. Do you know how much cardboard there is all over my house? Um, my cats they had this little sort of burlap chicken thing that had I don't think it's catnip, but it's something like it's like synthetic catnip. It's like happy nip or something inside <laughs> it. And um, one of them. I'm going to assume it was Hammersmith uh, ripped open its little chicken butt. And now there <laughs> is just, it looks like sawdust, but it's like happy nip all over the upstairs, like living room. And it's just, <sighs> I love my cat so much as any of you who follow them on their Instagram know, but this has been a very exhausting, a very exhausting cat mom, cat mom time. One of them ate something they shouldn't. We had to go to the vet. There was some, you know, they ate something they shouldn't mess around the house. And <laughs> it's been a journey. Yeah. I love them, but they are they're very trying right now. Yeah, teenage cats kind of are. So what are we talking about today? Teenage cats, obviously. No, <laughs> not really. Um, even though you know we could. So yeah, we- don't <laughs> don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> um, we are going to start. We've been trying to think about like um, sort of new regular things to do, especially as kind of pandemic production has thrown some of our regularly scheduled programming into disarray um and also we just wanted an excuse to talk about some stuff that we might not otherwise have a reason to talk about on the show so we are we're calling this the classics revisited series where we're basically going to find something you know not terribly recent and watch it and talk about it so uh, this is Classics Revisited, and today we are going to discuss uh, literally the last thing that was ever shown as a masterpiece theater production before. I did not know that before WGBH retooled it into masterpiece. And was it was it really was it masterpiece theater? Was it before they did like masterpiece classic? Yes, it was literally the last thing under shown under the masterpiece theater banner before it converted. Um, and uh, this is uh, Ruth Wilson's Jane Eyre. Um, now, I, I I sort of assume that our, our listeners know Jane Eyre because I sort of assume people just know Jane Eyre because Jane Eyre is one of those books that like I would I my mother read aloud to me when I was a child before then wow. I read it later. Like, oh, it was that part- explains so much. It, 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 was, it was part of the <laughs> mother. Do you just hate children um, books that were that that were given to wow. me like like Heidi and um, uh, uh, the one about the uh, the 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 the. Um, kids who are uh 
uh, chimney sweeps who die. Um, yeah, like the, yeah, they're like orphan chimney sweeps who who die and go to heaven. Water babies, I think, is what it's called. Like, there's so many of those books that I was wow. read as a child. So I assume everyone knows Jane Eyre, but um, well, I assume most people are at least vaguely familiar with Jane Eyre because it's one of those books they made you re- they make you re- read in high school, or at least they did in the Stone Age when I was in high school. So. Yeah, it, it's it's by it's by one of the Bronte sisters. It's Charlotte Bronte, and um, the, all the Bronte sisters wrote books. It's kind of their thing, um, and it's basically like one of the original Gothic romances. At least I I think of it as one of them, where Jane Eyre basically is like this orphan who goes and uh, works as a governess for this terrible Mister Rochester who she falls madly in love with, and like it's you know. They're, they're sort of star-crossed lovers in that Mr. Rochester uh, is secretly already, spoiler alert, married. Um, and he keeps his, if you've ever heard the mad woman in the attic trope, this is literally where that comes from because he has a wife who is a lunatic and he keeps her in a tower. Yeah. And uh, basically, Jane doesn't know that that's who's locked in the tower. She's told it's other people. She's basically sheltered from this all the way until they get to the wedding. And like literally like she finds out like at the altar and like runs away wearing a wedding dress. Um, Like it's really that kind of like gothic ass romance. And uh, they uh, the thing the thing about uh, Jane Eyre is that it's one of those stories that has been adapted so many times, like so many times um i think like i looked it up and it's something like 50 adaptations between the silent films and feature films and tv series and that's not even counting like radio or theater or like other stuff like it's just like there are so many like it was it was adapted for silent films like multiple times before like sound happened um i, I don't it, feel like they've really really done one since this jane Eyre. um have they uh, did i just not see it there's a 2011 movie that i can think of off the top of my head that had michael fassbender oh i love him oh my gosh i bet he was such a good mr rochester too i feel like mr rochester is a very specific type of actor and and judy dench is mrs fairfax and i cannot think who plays jane off the top of my head which is ridiculous oh mia w- w- wazikowski yeah um the 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 australian actress from uh uh i i, I know i've seen her in other things um yeah you'd recognize her if you saw her like she's a off the top of my head what is she she's been like like nominated for best actress for things too like i know she has because i know i've written about her damn i can't think of it um anyway uh so uh yeah like there there's at least been that movie i can't think of anything beyond that though i think that sort of jane Eyre sort of stopped there like uh, we're kind of due for like another round of them sort of like you know how little women comes around every like 20 years mm-hmm. or like or or like a uh, a star is born comes around every 20 years like it's sort of we're, we're getting on for needing another jane Eyre. so i assume the, there will be one but the thing about this one and what really struck me in re-watching it, and to be clear, uh, the one that I watched is the one that is the PBS edit, which is compressed into two two-hour episodes instead of four one-hour episodes like it aired on the BBC, um, is that they just don't make them like that anymore. 
Like I just I, I literally was like, wow. Like I know this came out in like two thousand five or six. It has a very like merchant and ivory feel. Right. It's like fifteen years old. And like I know that that's kind of old now, but honestly, like I felt like I could was it's watching not that old. Yeah, no, I felt like I was watching something from like the nineteen seventies. Like it really like the the misty watercolor, like kind of like the camera work, the 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 lighting, the 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 use of like these uh, tapestries of like Christian horrors to like emphasize the horror of the Rochester mansion. Like it just everything about it was so old school. Like like they just don't make them like that anymore. It's also a little bit too long. Um, because it's a very granted, I'm going to put a blanket caveat out that I have not read Jane Eyre in a very long time, but it feels like it's a, it's a pretty faithful adaptation. No, it is freakishly faithful. Like every part of it is in there. I feel like maybe we could have done a little judicious editing. I don't know that I needed to spend so much time with Jane, like hearing creepy things around the house or quite so much time of her when she after she like runs away and passes out on the moors like teaching the children in the other little village she goes to or whatever like I just don't, I don't know I feel like it could have been a little tighter yeah and I I agree like there it's sort of shocking how much there is with the rivers in the second half um to me because you know I really do think of it as the the rivers are sort of a a, a, a backstop thing that sort of ha- randomly happens after she you know basically after she runs away from her wedding right i mean basically it's because the story needs like something to happen before she goes back to rochester right so there has to be like just to do something else for a little while yeah it's basically treading water until she goes back to rochester and of course someone's going to propose to her while she's out there so that she knows that rochester is the right one but yeah the fact that like we basically get a whole basically a whole episode dedicated to these people within that second two-hour block is really quite something um but I think, honestly, what it really brought home to me is how much Downton Abbey has changed what we think of when we think of masterpiece theater or masterpiece oh, in general. More. Because we just, it, it really, our, our, uh, our period pieces don't look like that anymore. Even something like The Woman in White, which aired a couple of years ago on Masterpiece, it has a much clearer look to it. It has a more modern sensibility. It has more modern camera cuts the camera cuts on this thing are so old school like there's just there's so much about how we expect masterpiece to look like a prestige tv show that you'd find on hbo that this just doesn't look like that this looks old-fashioned this looks like something that could have aired in the 70s or 80s and it, it deliberately so it doesn't want to be like you know, it doesn't want to be something that you could find on HBO. It wants to be, quote unquote, masterpiece theater. And it, it feels like it's supposed like, you know how we were talking about us and we said that us is very much like the, the stereotype of what you think of when you think of a masterpiece show. Jane Eyre is like the stereotype of what you thought of when you thought of masterpiece theater in the 80s. Like that is it is it is it is the quintessential and it, it's deliberately so. And. I mean, I don't I'm not saying this because I hate it like it was but it was very shocking to me to go back because I loved it the first time I saw it and to see it through different eyes 15 years later and realize how much we have moved away from that and how like if something like that aired on Masterpiece today, it would be seen as really 
clunky almost like it wouldn't it, it wouldn't fly like they just wouldn't do that like bbc wouldn't make that masterpiece wouldn't buy it like it's just it really isn't what they do anymore um so yeah like i i have to say though that i i do i, I did like it still <laughs> Did you like it a lot still? I, 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 I mean, I love Ruth Wilson as Jane Eyre, even though she's far too pretty as Jane Eyre. And I know this lie where they're like, you're so plain, Jane. And I'm like, you just gave her like you just colored in ugly eyebrows on her. That's like all you did. She's beautiful. And, 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 and you know, like in 2005, 2006, yeah, thick eyebrows were ugly. Thick eyebrows are in right now, people. What the hell? Um, anyway, um, Georgina Henley, the kid who plays uh, the kid who plays her as a kid, who's the girl from Chronicles of Narnia. Like, she's also way too pretty. Like, it's just, there's so much that's like, and, and Rochester, Toby Stevens is way too handsome. Like, everything, like, I'm like, yeah, well, no. here's these- a thing, here's, okay, here's the thing about Rochester for me. Like, he's a fine, he's a fine Rochester. I, I always sort of assume that Rochester's kind of good looking, but that's because that's sort of like the trope that we've adopted no, he's supposed to be like dark and and brooding and like freaky looking. Yes, but in in our modern day pop culture, that uh, equates to handsome. Because in my per- my personal, I will get I will come back to this what what I think of the series as a whole in a second. But in my personal headcanon, I still am just like I cannot believe we've never made a Jane Eyre where Rufus Sewell was rochester because he has like the such like broody angsty like torturedness that i sort of associate with the character i think he would be a perfect perfect rochester even though he's smoking hot i still think he gets like like he embodies a lot of what that character is supposed to be for me whether or not that like like yes the man is incredibly attractive yeah, I just I, I I I think this is just a, a fact of every Jane Eyre that no Jane Eyre is ever makes her as plain as she's supposed to be, and no Rochester is as ugly as he was in my mind when I was I don't know seven. Um, yeah, like I always I just pictured ugly people when I was a kid, and like they never give me that. I mean, I don't know. I think that I think that I always assumed, and maybe this is is from watching media. Is that when they're like, oh, she's so plain. She's still like plain in a sort of classically British pretty way, you know, like genteel poverty kind of way. But I never I never really sort of saw it in my mind as like they were actually like unattractive people. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what I get for being for having Jane Eyre read to me when I was a kid. I mean, also possible. <laughs> that is a choice. Anyway, um, I, I I do love Ruth Wilson as Jane Eyre, and this is yeah, she's really is... she's really great because I think I, for me, I also enjoyed this, but I don't think that I love. I think that um, people tend to be people tend to fall into one of two categories when it comes to this kind of literature and this kind of story. You are either a Charlotte Bronte Jane Eyre person, or you are an Emily Bronte Wuthering Heights person. And I am 1,000% a Wuthering Heights person. And, um, like, that story speaks to me more than this one does. Um, mostly to the, mostly it's just that the story of this makes me very angry in a lot of ways, as much as as anything else, because I think I think Rochester's kind of horrible, and the story actually makes him out to be this sort of noble, suffering hero, and I think that's garbage. I think their relationship is toxic. Um, even though I really bought into their relationship in the, this uh, miniseries, series, limited series. I don't know what, how we refer to these things. 
Um, but, it was a um, mini series at the time. Nowadays, we would refer to it as a limited series. Yeah, it would be like a limited series now. I do. The best thing I think about this adaptation is that it really did sell me Jane and Rochester in a way that a lot of others haven't. I really believed in their relationship in this, and it really felt. It really felt genuine and reciprocal in a way that I don't feel like I always get from the book itself or from a lot of other adaptations, a lot of other versions. And a lot of times I think you can interpret the book this way, too. It feels like their relationship is very unequal. It's very like, you know, she's sort of pining after a man and a life that she's never had before, that she's lonely, that he gaslights her. It's all kinds of other things that make their relationship really ugly to me but I really liked their I really liked them together possibly for the first time in this adaptation you know it's funny because you I I thought the whole point of Jane Eyre is that their relationship is toxic until his wife dies and he basically is redeemed and that that's the whole I mean I love that he's I love that he's hashed I mean pin in the fact that I feel like redeeming a man by killing a woman is garbage (laughs) And we should not support it. Yes, that's true. But also, like, he gets redeemed through, like, physical suffering. Like, does that actually, you know, I don't know what that says. Like, he's just blind. I don't know what that says about, like, his soul. I suppose that is very true. Um, And again, back to the, like, well, he's suddenly now worthy of Jane because he can't lie to her anymore about his alive wife because she's dead (laughs) is not, is not great, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I honestly, like... I always sort of, I I always sort of saw it as, uh, uh, you know, the Jane is in love with a guy who is a jerk. Like I did as a, even as a kid, sort of think of Rochester as a jerk. But I thought of him as kind of this ugly, uh, you know, ugly, you know, kind of monstrous jerk who she for some reason falls madly in love with. And like one of the things that I always thought when I was a kid is that he actually belonged with Blanche because she was a monster too and that they should just go be monsters together. I forgot she even like existed in the story. <laughs> like I said, I'm not like even I'm not a huge I read Jane Eyre because I had to and I uh, I've, I probably read it a couple of times because I had to because I definitely took a class in college about like the English novel, which I thought was going to be much more interesting than it actually was. And it was reading a lot of sort of uh, I, I think today we would call it women's fiction, but it was very sort of like uh, gothic women in peril kind of stuff like. Uh, uh, oh, shoot. Um, oh, Pamela, mm. that kind of thing. Clarissa. Oh, Clarissa. I mean, they're all the same book. Um, I, I, can I tell you, my mother's dissertation was on Clarissa. No. Really? Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Anyway, um, let, uh, I, I also think it is very interesting that this Jane Eyre um, leans into the racial dynamics of the book that people probably don't like to discuss. That the whole reason that his first wife is supposed to be mad is because she's um, mixed race. And they actually do cast uh, the actress is a uh, Claudia Coulter, who is a uh, of Latin descent. And they do actually kind of lean into that a bit. And I was really uncomfortable with that. Like I was a little startled by it. I sort of I fr- was really uncomfortable. I was like, does she even get to speak? Not, not really. Does she get any lines? <laughs> not, not really. I, <laughs> yeah. Sh- ah, yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And and yet and yet the story wants us to feel bad for him. Yeah. She doesn't even get to talk. 
<laughs> but he's the one who saddled with her. Um, and I also, you know, one of the things that I, one of the things about having the rivers be so long is that we we got okay. So uh, Sinjin is played by um, I think it was the guy from Broadchurch. What is his? What is the actor's name? Oh, it's Andrew Buchan. Thank you. Buchan yeah, something. It, took, it took me a while to. I was like, who is that guy? He was um, Jody Whittaker's husband in yes. Broadchurch. Yes, he was. Um, that's why I think from the guy from Broadchurch. Um, I, I, it was a little bit like, um, so I'm going to totally date myself right here. When I saw Reality Bites in 1994, I thought why no one a writer did the right thing by picking Ethan Hawke over Ben Stiller. And then when I watched it again as an adult, I was like, why are you an idiot? Ben Stiller is the one who's going to have money and a career. <laughs> and honestly, we all, like, we, I mean, we've all had, I mean, granted, it's not on quite the scale of like, whoops, he's got a secret wife that he keeps chained <laughs> in a room. We've all gone out with that guy. <laughs> And like honestly, like there is such a moment here where I was like, why doesn't she just pick Sinjin? He's so nice. Well, and because the thing is, is because um, sort of culturally, young women are taught that those men are fixable by simply like y- they just need the right woman. You know, like you can. And I'm here to tell you, everyone listening, no one changes really, <laughs> and you being with someone is not going to make them change. You you will not save a man. Do not say. Please don't save men. It's really like do, 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 do. there's so many things you could do with your life. But that's like the that's the trope of it though is that he get like Jane is so like forthright and kind and good that she can somehow fix all the things that are wrong with him. And and I I mean I know like I've I've had that. I we've all done that <laughs> because that's what we're told sort of culturally as young women growing up that. That that's often, you know, yeah. they just haven't met the right woman yet. But yeah, I totally had really? that. I, I totally had that moment of a uh, of why doesn't you just pick Jinjin? He's so nice. <laughs> and like, I know I'm not supposed to have that response. Like, I know that that's wrong. But I thought that was actually really interesting. It was kind of interesting for me that like because they made the rivers thing so long in the second half that I actually started to go, no, you know, you don't need to go back to Rochester. It's fine. Um, I did also, I have to say the other thing I really loved about this was actor spotting. Um, I know I, I <laughs> preferred to Sinjin as the guy from Broadchurch, but like his sister was the, was from Downton. And like, I loved like doing that because this is, you know, since this is 15 years old, you know, so many of these actors have gone on to be in other things like uh, Grace Poole is from Crawl the Midwife. Um, let's see. I, 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 what were the other ones that I caught off the top of my head? Um, well, of course, Do- Toby Stevens is from Black Sails. Um, um, here is a fun fact that I learned, and Annie knew this, so maybe this is common knowledge, but I did not know this. And Toby Stevens is Maggie Smith's son. You know, it's mind what, blown. I, I I remember learning that during Black Sales because I kept trying to figure out who he looked like and I couldn't figure it out. And so, like, I looked it up and I was like, oh, he looks like Maggie Smith. Well, duh. I also really <laughs> think that um, I actually just rewatched Black Sales fairly recently, like within the past year. So I feel like my viewing of Jane Eyre here is being wildly colored by my viewing of Black Sails <laughs> <laughs> and his performance in Black Sails. Black Sails is a pirate show. It's it's incredibly good. It but was he- one of the few things on Stars that like really worked in those in that first like burst of things that came after Outlander. Like I, Stars, like Stars had the hit with Outlander, and so it started to try to like you know basically like go lean into genre. It's like a Treasure Island prequel, and yeah. And 
he plays this sort of very uh, tortured and and vengeful pirate, and it's 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 a similar like I don't know. I saw a lot of Captain Flint in in Rochester. Yes, I I could see that. Um, I, you know, but of course, like the thing is, is this is the this is kind of the TV show that put Ruth Wilson on the map for like masterpiece. She viewers. really she really is fantastic in this, and I see that as somebody who doesn't really like Jane that much as a character, and I think the reason I like her performance is that it's so about uh like deliberate agency in a way that I don't think the character on the page gets a lot like Jane gets a lot of Jane's life throws her a lot of curveballs and she doesn't get to make a lot of choices based on circumstance but she definitely you know she she, she's not she's not just along for the ride in this version of the story like Ruth Wilson makes her feel very present and active and just really likable in a way that I don't, I don't, I didn't really get from the page. Like I said, I'm a Wuthering Heights person, person, team Kathy forever. <laughs> That's really funny. I had never really thought of it as like a divide that way. I didn't read Wuthering Heights until I was made to in high school for the record. Oh um, my gosh. There's a version of Wuthering Heights where Rafe finds his Heathcliff. And I saw ooh. it during my, when I was like deep in my like Rafe finds crush. And I still have a Rafe finds crush, but it's, you know, it's mellowed over the years, but I was like deep in it. And he is an incredible Heathcliff. Okay, well, now I have to watch that. Um, yeah, it's funny because I've read Jane Eyre like several times. And it, I honestly like the other Bronte sisters are ne- like, if you had to pick a Bronte sister, like I assume that like Charlotte Bronte is kind of mine because like... Emily. Yeah, no, like it, it, I, I just... you know, Sorry to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Anne? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, like I've actually never read Anne Bronte's book. I'm sorry. My mother would kill me if she knew that. Um, anyway... Uh, anyway, back to back to Jane Eyre. Um, I, uh, I I have to say that like one of the other things about this is how slow it is. Mm-hmm. Although on some levels that really works, like I think that that slowness really does benefit the Jane and Rochester relationship because it really does feel like something develops between them organically. But it it takes it takes its time. Yeah, um, like there, there's an early scene where she gets the letter that she got the uh that she got the position, and they slowly pass it down the table to her at the end, and it's I I started laughing because it was kind of startling to me that we were gonna take a full minute to hand her this stupid letter, and like I was like wow this is and this is part of my they don't make them like that anymore. Like, even if they were going to do something like that in a new version, in a new adaptation, like, it it, it still wouldn't take that long. It would still take half that mm. time. And there's so many, like, long establishing shots of Thornfield oh, yeah. and, like, the land around Thornfield and the carriages going down the road to Thornfield. Yes. They, they, Jane it, walking through the fields around Thornfield. Like, they do really love the setting in a way that, like... I, I feel like we just, you know, we talk about like all creatures great and small having these like long landscapes of Yorkshire and how much we love the show. And the show is twice as fast as this. Absolutely. Like without question. And we think of that as slow TV. Like this is slow TV. This is this is maybe this isn't watching a train Norwegian slow TV, but this is slow TV. Um and, I mean, again, it's sometimes it does. Sometimes that really does work. I come back again to like it really does feel like one of my biggest 
weaknesses in relationships. This is really the first time I've actually felt this between these two characters, but there's like a lot of pining that goes on, especially mm-hmm. towards like the end of the second, like that, uh, the end of the first two parter, the beginning of the second two parter, which is like the end of the second episode and the beginning of the third one. Um, there's a lot of like double entendre language there's a lot of staring and pining and like long walks together and it's just like they're very toby stevens and ruth wilson are very good at the whole like smoldering yeah at the whole like we want to be together but we shouldn't kind of thing they're actually less i think they're it's weird i think their chemistry actually goes down once they get together yeah i might say that like but it's just really i think it's I'm sorry. This is so shallow. I'm just going to flag this in advance. Don't judge me. Their first kiss together is so uncomfortable. Like, I just like, I'm just like, what? Yeah. He has ostensibly been married. How is he? How does he kiss like that? It just it's very gross. I Like, they get a little bit better, but like, just, I don't know. Their chemistry is better when they're sort of wanting to be together than when they're actually being together. Except at the very end when he actually feels a little bit humbled by the blindness thing. Um, I also have to say that this is another thing that, like, when I was a kid, I pictured him being massively disfigured. And, like... Yeah. Oh my gosh, she it's 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 really like she has she's all that and it's like she's a ponytail. <laughs> she's really unattractive. I'm like he's like a scratch on his face. <laughs> like it's Are you serious? Yeah. It, it's really like he is not marred in the slightest by this except other than the fact that he is not doing a very good blind thing with his eyes. Like that's oh, the other no. thing and 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 this is not fair of me because I have um as we do this um C is airing over on Apple TV Plus which I am covering. Um so I I have a lot of actors who are act who who are actually do who are um sight impaired and who or, or sighted actors who are doing blind and so I I've gotten used to actually very good and he is not. <laughs> and that's He's not really fair not. Me. <laughs> but it's true. And I also, but I also think that, and I hate making this excuse, but like, it's a little bit of its time in that way. And that mm-hmm. they did not think that presenting that accurately was that important to the story they were telling. And now you watch something like Marvel's Daredevil, where they literally had like a blunt, because the main character in that show is, is a blind superhero. And they literally had multiple people whose job it was to teach, um, Charlie Cox, how to sort of move and and react to things like a blind person. Yeah, and 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 and, and that kind nobody of, did that with Toby Stevens. Yes, yeah, that kind of ableism is sort of a thing that like it's another thing that has really changed in these last fifteen years. That that kind of ableism isn't acceptable on screen quite in the same way anymore. Like we still get it, but it's still it's it just like if you do that, people will call you out. And seeing it sort of just casually was sort of it, it, it was actually a moment where I realized how much that wasn't acceptable anymore. Um, and there's a lot of things where it's like I just. I, I I I just was like, wow, this is so of a different era, and this is this is so of master. I I I will still interchangeably use masterpiece and masterpiece theater because it was masterpiece theater I mean, it's until the I same was thirty, thing. right? It's like a, it's the same thing. It's just a different name, right? Like I I and and it's no, actually, I feel like having watched this, no, masterpiece theater was something different. Like this is the first time where I feel like the name change wasn't just a rebrand that they did actually change with the the rebranding. And as I said, like, I, I feel like Downton Abbey was sort of 
it, it was sort of instrumental in that because it really sort of brought masterpiece in line with the kind of thing that you would find on on, on now we, you would find it on Netflix now you would find it on Hulu now you would find it on Amazon like it really sort of brought them into the 21st century whereas this is still very 20th century um what i think is interesting i actually really wish that um that uh on some level, I wish we would make more shows like this because I really, I, I, I mean, I just, I enjoyed what, I don't like the story of Jane Eyre that much for the most part, but I really enjoyed watching this because it was really sort of rich and charactery in a way that, that a lot of our kind of modern period dramas don't do. Nobody felt the need to like insert a subplot with Mrs. Uh, Fairfax or the people in the kitchens there was no like there was no like tacked on extra plot about the the girls who were there to try to catch Mr. Rochester like it was just like this is a story about these two people and that's what we're gonna tell you and it's gonna be really like rich and in depth but it's not we're not gonna put all this other stuff in there we don't think you need seven storylines to keep your attention we're just gonna do this we're just gonna do the story yeah it's not busy that way and you're right like that's another thing that i hadn't actually thought about but now that you say that yes one of the things downton abbey would have done is made it so they would feel like the need to build out mrs fairfax or that they would need to build out grace pool and like explain why why she's an alcoholic like they would they they would need to give more they would need to complicate things they might um i mean i don't think they'll go full witcher like timeline stuff but i think the show rightly realizes i don't care about grace pool I'm not here to watch Grace Poole's story. Like, yeah. and you, so you don't need to tell it to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, I, I think there is something to be said for a show that knows what it, that, that, that doesn't want to, that, it, that, that, that respects you and your, your, your attention span. That it doesn't feel like you need to, it doesn't feel like it needs to give you enough to give you a thousand word recap because there's, you're not going to recap this because people don't recap. <laughs> right like that's the only way I but can... i also but i also think that it really lets the focus of the story stay on jane yes which is which is where it belongs and that's why we're here and this is supposed to be her story and i think i think in a lot of ways it makes her story feel richer and more purposeful than sometimes it does in the novel even and i think that's also why it's so able to be faithful to the book because it's all it's telling so there's because it's not trying to fill things with other stuff, there's only room for the story. But because there's four hours, there's room for all of the story. And like, I I think like if I if I if I if I were to actually like go through and pick out like chapter by chapter, I would say that probably like some of like like some of the uh, the, the the Lowood school stuff is is definitely reduced right like and i i feel like i actually Thorn would i actually i don't know i feel like i might have wanted to watch more of that than like the extended sequence with with guy from Broadchurch. <laughs> but mostly just because i think it i think it goes a long way to helping explain why jane is the way jane is and why she's so um susceptible to a man like rochester and i say susceptible like it's some sort of predatory thing and it's not not really but he I mean, at least like in this version, they do put in the work to really make you believe in their connection. Like it does build naturally over time. But I think, you know, seeing more of where Jane comes from helps you see why she's like, you know, it's a running theme that she has no one, that she's alone, that no one understands her, that nobody cares about her, et cetera, et cetera. And even if it does have a little bit of a Dickensian vibe. 
Yeah. Um, I actually, um, one of the things that this also made me think of is what a Jane Eyre uh, adaptation would look like today if we were to have one. Like how 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 much they would how much they would change this. Like as as we as I said, like Grace Poole would probably get like you know a backstory. Um, but I wonder if they I would. Mean, honestly, the only backstory I'm interested in really is Bertha's. Because because there's so much in this story. Like, she's such a big piece of the story, and she has no voice. She has no, like, we, like, they're just like, well, she's crazy. She's just staying in the attic, and she's literally, the only time we see her, she's, like, attacking people or setting stuff on fire or flinging herself off a parapet. And I would really, like, is she genuinely, you know, mentally unbalanced? Does she just feel that that's her only shot at freedom? I don't know. I would really love to see more of that segment of the story if we were going to build something out. Especially because, you know, we all know now that women who are, quote unquote, mentally unbalanced aren't are usually just women who with opinions uh, in that time period. The truth. Right. So like, yeah, like I I wonder if someone were to make Jane Eyre today, if they would literally make it from like Bertha's point of view um because i would i mean i would watch that i'm not even gonna front that that feels like the kind of thing that you would get from like i don't know hbo max um yeah like it feels very sort of subversive of a lot of the tropes that like this novel helps to establish like this literally creates the whole like bad woman in the attic thing and 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 i think it i think it also sort of like i i really do think this in a lot of ways this book codifies a lot of what we think of as quote-unquote romance that is really toxic Mm -hmm. as you know that this is that that rochester and jane's relationship is especially up until the marriage toxic rochester is literally gaslighting her about the fact that he's that his wife is literally in the house with them i mean for god's sakes (laughs) i know i'm like one gold star i really will give this production is that i really do buy into maybe for the first time actually um I really do buy into the fact that he's very conflicted and torn about this. Like, I do think they drop in enough um, hints, like that one line where he's like, you know, God, no man can stop me or whatever. When he's determined to marry Jane, like just the way he says that there's like a lot of, there are a lot of hints here that, that he is struggling with all of this, but that he really does care about her and that it's just a whole mess, but it's, that doesn't make it less toxic. It just makes it a better story. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that like I, I I because this is sort of where we where we got a lot of those toxic romance tropes that I would also be very interested in seeing if somebody would especially if somebody tried to do one from from Bertha's point of view, like one that sort of upended all of those toxic tropes. You know, we have on Netflix, we have You, which is a a, a series where it basically tries to turn those toxic tropes inside out. Um, and I, I wonder if if a, if a, a, a reverse adaptation of Jane Eyre, for want of a better word, would also basically like dive into that. I know. I mean, just think about it. Like if you think about this woman who married this rich dude and and she like goes to a whole new country and and then like how does she feel about all of this is she forced into this marriage is she like how does she end up in the attic like it's just there's a lot that 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 this this that the bronte story just doesn't the it's not interested in the character of bertha it's interested in the fact of bertha yeah which are different things and it also you know this is I, I think it tells you a lot about what we what you know 
um, so there's a I, I keep bringing up other media. I'm sorry, but there's a a, a a a movie series on Netflix called The Kissing Booth, which when it first came out, like people were like, "This is the most toxic thing ever." Like, what are these terrible tropes in it? And it's originally written by a girl who was like 15 on like some like like writing website that and Netflix found it and like optioned it. And my my response to it is, well, it's what a 15 year old spits back at you when you when you ask what it thinks romance is because a 15 year old hasn't actually like had real romances yet and I feel like Jane Eyre is sort of a spitback of what women were being told at the time was romance and I I I have always sort of thought that um when I explain it to myself because I think a lot of the um yes I think you're right and I think a lot of the things that that this sort of story teaches people is that as long as you get married it's okay yeah. You know, if like he marries the, you in the end, it's OK. Like you won. <laughs> <laughs> yes, did that you, is true. Jane though? wins. That is correct. That that is that is the ending is that Jane wins, that she goes back and she wins. And he and, and he need and he needs her now. Right. I mean, like I said, I, I want to keep giving this adaptation credit for this because I think it is actually sort of a triumph over a lot of the material is that I do believe he needs her without the nursemaid factor yes like i do really believe that he cared that he loves her that he was heartbroken that she left that he did that he didn't know what to that he thought he could get away with i guess keeping bertha in the attic because he loved her so much like i really believed in it in a way that i haven't in a lot of other adaptations or the book for that matter so i mean yeah. i do i do think that he would have still wanted to be with her even if he wasn't blind this version of him anyway yeah, but the fact that he is blind is why he needs her and why she can basically sort of swoop in and rescue him. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have to say they just don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> um Huzzah for Ruth Wilson though. <laughs> like she's so great in everything, but I'm like, look, she even has the power to make me like an adaptation of a book I don't like very much. Um Yeah. That's that's the first installment in our Classics Revisited series. Uh, things coming up in this, I don't know, except I know for a fact we're going to talk about North and South at some point because I love North and South. And half the idea for this little sort of sub-series was because I wanted an excuse to talk about North and South. <laughs> um we'll see well no i actually i am I, I am actually looking forward to digging into other like older like masterpiece theater things one of the things is one of the problems that we we are going to have with this is that not everything is on streaming like you know you can get like the 2006 brideshead revisited but i'm not sure you can get the 1980s one like i have no idea if we can find the jewel in the crown i i, I assume gonna, i claudius is somewhere like yeah like there's older stuff that i would really love to go find but i also feel like you know if it's not on streaming is it really should we really even do it because yeah because it's harder for people like people who have part of this is that we hope some people who are maybe newer to to anglo Philia will want to go back and check out some or or who love some of these actors who like love Ruth Wilson this is like her breakout role basically like maybe you want to go back and you want to watch that so we'd like to stick to stuff that is at least somewhat accessible on streaming yeah um Jane Eyre is currently streaming on Hulu in two parts in the PBS edit so yeah if you have classics that you think we should revisit but I'm just uh, send us an email at televisions at weta.org and tell us. Uh, like I said, the only one on my list right now is North and South. So if you got suggestions, we are very open to them. 
I, I, I personally want to make you watch some older Lord Peter Whimsy and, uh, oh, Lord. and no, 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 no. Harriet Walters at Harriet Vane. If I can find it on streaming, we are doing it. It's only it's not that many episodes, I promise. OK, fine. Anyway, that is our, our show for this week. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed the sort of detour into into classic territory. Annie, tell the people where you live on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my fuzzy cats ripping cardboard boxes to pieces on at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, let's see. I am a staff writer over at Elite Daily, and I'm the associate editor here over at televisions.org. And I also freelance around the web. So, you know, if you uh, want to know what I wrote this week, just go to my Twitter and follow me because I basically retweet all my bylines and that's where you'll find my articles. Huzzah. Uh, I am on Twitter at Lacey MB. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I also write here at televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So be my friend and I don't know. Right now I'm just sort of dunking on that dude who was supposed to be the Jeopardy host, but isn't. Um, uh, what else? My cats. If you would like to see the cats, they have an Instagram at Baker and Hammer, and they're very cute. Uh, much cuter than they are behaving in real life right now, so enjoy that fantasy. Uh, if you just want the British content, uh, the site and the pod are on social media at Telly underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. We are a product of WETA, and if you like what we do, you can visit Televisions at, guess what, televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing what we do, support public media, and get access to PBS Passport, where I assume some of these classic things we're going to talk about are going to live once we decide, you know, what they are. It has a pretty good back catalog. Uh, That's our show. Thanks for being here. Take care of each other. The summer is winding down. Who knows what this fall will bring? Um, oh gosh! For good, for good or ill. Uh, put the hand put the hand sanitizer back in your purse. Wear a mask in indoor spaces. Get vaccinated if you haven't yet, and encourage everyone in your life to do the same. Uh, be nice to a stranger. It's rough out there, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.